It has been a wild week in the grain and livestock markets, and it's been a wild week politically as well. The Farm Bill outlook has changed. Most of the GOP presidential candidates had another debate. A well-known senator says he will not seek re-election, and USDA delivered increases for U.S. corn and soybean crops. Live, enriched with Florinol. When you need a dose of the news that really matters, reach for Florinol. That's Florinol from the makers of the Stackler Claw. Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning it's a Friday for he for her. Panelists Jim Weissmeyer, Paul Neifer, and Michelle Jones. And directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of Agritalk, Chip Laurie. You got all worked up this morning, didn't you? Must Way. be feeling good. Way, way. I just remember the the encroaching darkness and all aloneness yeah. Yeah. of last Friday when I was all by myself. All by yourself on this? You had some help. Well, Miss and Haney came storming in. There were panelists present, yes, of course. Yes. But uh, yes. as far as the host, <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody loves that guy that fills in. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> all right, welcome to AgriTalk. Uh, let's take care of this first. Today is the government's uh, recognition of Veterans Day. Government mm-hmm. offices are closed. Uh, I just want to say a, a big thank you to all the veterans out there that have given a huge, huge portion of your lives to protect the freedoms that we all get to enjoy. Uh, and in addition to that, we got to recognize the sacrifices of the families of those veterans as well. Thank you for everything that you've done to support your family members as they protected the rights and the freedoms of this great country. Thank you to all the veterans out there. Well said. Here, here. All right. All right. Uh, and and there's going to be some, some celebrations. And by the way, we had a great conversation with Jeff Cooper yesterday from the Renewable Fuels Association. Oh, that about was cool. A new, yeah, about a new effort uh, that recognizes the contribution and why veterans are attracted to the biofuels industry. Uh, It was very interesting, and I think if you have not heard that, give it a listen. It's it's an important one. Agritalk.com is the place to go to to do that. All right, let's get this thing started. Just you and me, Davis. What you got in the news? (laughs) Well, let's start with the National Weather Service weather outlook. Heavy snow for the northern Cascades and lighter amounts over parts of the northern Rockies. Snow for the western portion of the upper peninsula of Michigan. High wind watch for parts of the northern Rockies on Saturday and Sunday. By the fact that it's omitted, I can only assume the National Weather Service has canceled the weather for the Corn Belt. Chip? (laughs) There'll be no weather. I'm telling you, when I look at the weather forecast locally, locally, I see nothing but enjoyable fall conditions right Mm -hmm. through the next 10 days. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of precipitation and mostly above normal temperatures. Cool temperatures at night, but holy smokes, this looks really good. Most, maybe most importantly for listeners out there, looks really good for getting some fall field work done. That's right. Well, Tip USDA's November WASDE report showed increased corn and soybean production compared to the previous report. Corn production up from last month on a 1.9 bushel increase on a yield of 174.9 bushels per acre. Season average corn price down 10 cents, 485 a bushel. USDA raised its soybean yield projection less than a full point, and the season average soybean price was unchanged at 12.90 per bushel. Chip, we uh, we spent a lot of time on this report yesterday. Anything yeah. anything you missed? Maybe that came to you. You know, it, it's just a realization that when you start hearing the um, yields were better than we expected comments like we've been hearing them for the last three weeks, you got to pay attention. you got to pay attention to it. No question about it. Well, Chip, House Republicans continue to disagree on government spending, leading to the abrupt suspension of legislative work and leaving Washington without progress on funding the government as a shutdown deadline approaches. House Speaker Mike Johnson has not yet outlined a plan to prevent a government shutdown after November 17 if Congress fails to act. The challenge for Johnson is to gather support among conservative Republicans for a stopgap funding bill, which is expected to be rejected by the Democratic-controlled Senate. Meanwhile, 
the U.S. government has initiated formal preparations for a potential federal shutdown. Is anybody taking odds on Johnson surviving the speakership through the end of the month yet? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) More of our income will be taxed at lower rates next year. The Internal Revenue Service announced its annual inflation adjustments to federal income tax brackets for 2024 uh, yesterday. The adjustments based on formulas set out in the tax code are meant to keep inflation from hiking taxes. Interesting thought there. We'll probably get more from Paul Neifer on that, Jeff. Paul Neifer, Farm CPA. We can get the ta- his take on that. We got him. Chinese factories facing overcapacity and a challenging economic environment are attempting to address their problems by increasing exports. That's causing concerns and trade tensions with other countries. Manufacturers of products like electric vehicles and solar panels are lowering prices and intensifying their efforts to expand into international markets due to reduced demand within China. Here comes stagflation. You can feel it coming. Well, Chip, Israel is reportedly planning daily four-hour pauses in the fighting in parts of northern Gaza. A Russian missile strike on a Liberian-flagged civilian vessel entering a Black Sea port in the Odessa region has not led to the closure of the shipping corridor. However, reports suggest the incident has caused an increase in freight costs. And finally here, Chip, the U.S. will allow imports of Paraguayan beef next month after 25 years as regulators have concluded an extensive review, Chip. Yeah, a review that took 25 years. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the, the decision will still be questioned by National Cattlemen's Beef Association, U.S. Cattlemen's Association, all that. There will be some re- reaction to that, no question about it. All right. Thank you so much, Davis. Let's yep. bring in Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. You know, Jennifer, sometimes an opportunity stares you right in the face, and all you have to do is see it. To make it work. Well, kudos to the Iowa pork for spotting this opportunity. Tell us about it. Well, they've sure they've sure taken advantage of um, a great opportunity there with the Iowa State Cyclones. And I mean, I think it must have just been ordained from above that all of these football <laughs> players would be together on this team. Uh, and they they've really done a great job with u- utilizing this NLI. NIL agreement to be able to um, have a little bit of fun with this purchase more ham and bacon campaign, but they've since they, I just, every other day, it feels like they're bringing somebody (laughs) else out. They added Alec cook last week. um, and, And so they had fun with, you know, adding cook in there as well but then they also just added love it in this week um and they have a really fun video that's out that's basically kind of having a good time with all of their names so it's yeah super cool it's on youtube and it's on pork business today yeah exactly and and when you can start with purchase more ham and bacon and then you can (laughs) you can add cook to it purchase and cook more ham and bacon, and now would love it. Purchase more, purchase yep. and cook more ham and bacon, and love it. I and love it. Yeah, this this is absolutely crazy how it has all come together. And believe me, you're talking to one proud cyclone that they found this and are making it work. Good stuff, Jennifer. <laughs> Gotta give Go them to, credit. <laughs> that's right. Go to porkbusiness.com for more on that. All right, we've got the free-for-all coming your way next. We've got Wiesmeyer, we've got Nieper, we've got Jones. Michelson will be there. I'll be along for the ride. We've got a lot to cover this week. This is AgriTalk. Ralph Lentz, farmer from Menlo, Iowa, is the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Promotion Board. Ralph Let's talk about some corn marketing promotion that some might not think about on a regular basis, and that is promotion of U.S. meat exports. What is Iowa Corn doing? We invest in the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and it helps with the export of beef and pork and lamb. And they consume grain, and it makes more demand for our corn products. So we need to support every industry that will help our demand in corn. They do this through marketing in apartment buildings over there in Asia. They've got vending machines that sell meat. Another thing they do is people going home at night, they can stop in convenience stores and buy prepackaged meats just for their serving size for that meal that night. They also put services together where they can bring in the buyers and sellers so they can decide what they want, how much they want. 
and educate everybody and how everything has grown. So it's a good proposition for everybody. Excellent. Well, of course, there's got to be a return here. What does this investment into meat exports mean to Iowa corn growers? Iowa corn, for every dollar invested in this, sees a net return of 387 and 742 in the beef and pork industry. So that's a pretty good return. Last year, there was in between the beef and pork exports, there was over $14 billion worth of products sold. Billion dollars, not million. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of bushels of corn, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's uh, equivalent to about 505 million bushels of corn each year consumed through these exports. Fantastic. Where can we go to learn more about it? At iowacorn.org slash livestock. Perfect. Thank you, Ralph. Iowa Corn Growers investing in meat exports through the U.S. Meat Export Federation, a really cool way of building demand for Iowa corn. That is Ralph Lentz with the Iowa Corn Promotion Board. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, we've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, come to, to VA. VA. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. All right. So we just got done talking about purchase and cook more ham and bacon and love it. Yeah. And there's grease hogs right there. Right there. Yeah. Right there. You know, I was looking at the Iowa State football roster trying to see if there's any other names on there. And mm -hmm. there, there may be some other. Chuck Barbecue. I don't know why they haven't hooked Chuck Barbecue into this campaign yet. Seriously, uh, there's someone on the Cyclones named Chuck Barbecue, and they haven't used it. <laughs> you know, there's so, also Larry Loin, too. Yeah, Halfback. <laughs> out of Hampton Dumont. You got smoking Joe at, le at left tackle. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> There's Why Barry the Belly at nose guys? tackle. <laughs> Why haven't they found those guys yet? I don't understand. Well, you know, everybody gets a turn. Maybe. Maybe that's what they're maybe doing. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. You know, and maybe they just don't want to make it too obvious. You know what uh -huh. I mean? Sure. Sure. <laughs> you don't want to make it easy. <laughs> All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the free-for-all here on Friday. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jeff. All right, Michelle Jones, Montana farmer, Big Sky Farm Her. Michelle, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm good. It's good to talk with you, too. Yep, glad you're here. Glad you're here. And Paul Nee for Farm CPA. Paul, it's great to talk with you again, buddy. Where are you at? I am actually at a, a farmer up uh, about an hour north of where I live in Parker. So I'm up uh, by Keensburg, Colorado, visiting, and uh, they let me use his office. So that was good. Well, big thank you. Big thank you out to the farmers there. Okay, guys, uh, I, I want to start with some of the changes in the outlook for the farm bill, Jim. Uh, I, as as I look at some of the things that have shifted in this this past week, I'm going straight to House Chair Glenn Thompson uh, that he has changed his outlook. And he says now we probably won't see a farm bill before the full House until January at the earliest. 
yeah, G GT actually changed literally in one day. Yeah. One day he gave an address uh, keeping with his December timeline, and then the very next day changed it to what you just said. Uh, yeah. The house schedule was well known for December, so I, I just think uh, he hit the reality wall. Yeah. Yeah, the the reality wall has been hit several times when they are looking for funding yet, too, right, Jim? Yeah, combination of uh, funding and uh, how long to extend. I think we have that now, one year. And that doesn't mean you won't have a new farm bill next year, Chip. Uh, right. I think well, that's still likely, and it would start with the 2025 crop. Yeah. You, you know, the the question was whether it was going to be a one-year or a two-year extension because a two-year would get you past the 2024 elections. A one-year extension, you still need to get it done before the 24 elections, right? Yeah, and they want some leverage, I mean, on, on that. And yeah. so, the, you know, that's another issue, uh, whether or not in this uh, continuing resolution or some other must-have bill, in quotes, uh, do you include those 21 so-called orphan uh, right. programs, you know, funding for those? Because those have ended. There's some export promotion programs in there, Chip. Uh, uh, some people like GT doesn't want to include those because he said, if you don't, then that'll keep the leverage on for the oh. lawmakers to get a new bill sometime next year. Gotcha. Nefer? Yeah, I, I, I guess, Jim, if they do a one-year extension, does that mean the the next farm bill will be done September 30th of next year, or or, or November, or can it be done in the first quarter of next year? It better be done in the first quarter of next year because <laughs> you know it'll be all politics all the time if it isn't already. Uh, you know, uh, you know, past March, I, I would think. So they'll they'll have the first quarter of next year to get it done. But again, unless they have the funding. But on that, we had news this week because if there's one word that describes the new farm bill, it's creative. And Secretary Vilsack also used the word this week, urging lawmakers to be creative. And he ha apparently has some suggestions for them. So uh, 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 Amy Klobuchar, senator from Minnesota, has used that word. Debbie Stabenow has used that word. And a number of other Republicans have used that word. So I think they'll eventually find some funding. I don't know to the degree that they need to really improve Title I farmer safety net. Okay, well, you think just, so some of them... just so everybody I, I... knows, I, w I watched the movie Blackberry on the way home from New Orleans. And they got very creative in the way that they paid some of the engineers and, and programmers that came in, and it ultimately took the company down. So let's be con let's be a, a little concerned about using these creative sources of funding. It, it <laughs> I mean, is it all above board, Jim? Yeah. Well. It should be. Let's hope it is. Uh, the the I think it's a combination of the CCC uh, Commodity Credit Corporation yeah. Charter Act and some maybe some other movements. But uh, there, when your baseline forecast of the bill is one point five one trillion dollars over yeah. ten years, Chip, I think there's some leeway in there, don't you? Yeah, I would certainly. Yeah, there think has so. to be. Yep. And, Go ahead, I mean, you got to keep in mind that they're that they're largely playing with scoring, and I mean that's why we pay uh, PLC and ARC when we do because we were playing with scoring to change the bill's baseline. So I mean they're largely playing with scoring in there, and and also keep in mind what what is it a hundred million is considered a rounding error. That's why there's twenty one orphan projects. It's either fifty or hundred. I can't remember. But either yeah. way, like we're talking about a hundred like a hundred million dollars being a quote unquote rounding error here. Jeez. Yeah, it's pencil dust in Washington terms. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and Jim, is there any, I think some of these funds from the IRA Act or not, yeah, the IRA Act, you know, there was about 20 billion. I think they're finding out they're not able to spend all that. Is that maybe part of that, that they'll move over into the farm it, bill? It could be, but you know, then that gets into the sensitive issue with some of the Democrats that they don't want to pull back hardly 
anything, but there has to be a meeting of the minds. Bottom line, Debbie Stabenow is not seeking re-election. She'll want a bill before she officially yeah. retires. So that's why my odds are over 50%. We'll get a bill uh, in the first quarter or so next year because uh, she has a history of getting things done. Yep. Well, and if the if the trend on corn prices for next year, you know, drop into that four dollar range, uh, you know, they're looking at huge ARC payments on corn. I can tell you that. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's exactly right. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the the uh, the safety net that was inadequate before is is becoming adequate, isn't it? Well, you know, when I was in New Orleans, Chip, our uh, farmer producer, John Harris, was there and we had a good chat and he hooked me up with a number of farm broadcasters. But uh, he he asked me, he said, Jim, is the pressure not there by some of the farm groups because of until now we've had relatively uh, you know, firm prices, not not very low. And I told him, yes, I think that's a point. But what you just said, as you drift closer and closer to the $4 area, and Brian Grady has told me this is following 2010 to 2014 pricing patterns in both uh, yep. corn and soybeans, and yep. that signals uh, down to the $4 area. And I yep. think that will put pressure on. Okay. Yeah, a couple yeah of I things think... Okay, go ahead, Michelle, because I wanted to give to you. We haven't heard what your overall take on this farm bill process has been yet. What What are you thinking? Well, my general concern is we're going to end up in like the 2018 area when we didn't get as much as we should have, and it was largely because prices are high. I think that even though that was a delayed bill, I think delaying this one into next year will put a lot more – the farm groups will have a lot more pressure on it because there's already – so many farmers, you know, whether it's wheat, corn, I'm more closer uh, to wheat that are upset that they didn't, um, they haven't sold, they didn't sell heavily enough. Like they're already, you know, probably upside down in um, their, unless they were had super high yields um, in revenue per acre because inputs were so high and then they forgot to market, which in and of itself is is their own problem but right. uh it is still an actual problem and one that will cause the commodity groups to get a lot louder about the risks in farm country yeah yeah absolutely and you know i i didn't mean to make light of the situation that we're dealing with but it, it is reality as this corn market adjusts to a two billion bushel plus carryover as the bean market adjusts to you know, we we don't know what's going to happen out of Brazil for the, the current growing season yet. But as prices are adjusting down, we, all of a sudden, the, uh, the safety net is looking more and more realistic all the time. Okay, when we come back, Nefer, I'm coming straight to you. I want an update on the ERP and the PARP. That's coming up next here on AgriTalk. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, uh active day yesterday after the release of that uh, crop production and supply and demand report. A little follow-through to the downside today. 
Yeah, absolutely, Chip. Uh, you know, the, the corn soybean uh, crop estimates came in higher than anticipated. Uh, that pushed up uh, ending stocks for 23-24. And, and uh, so, you know, just set a negative tone. And, and like you said, we're seeing follow through to the downside this morning. Uh, the, the biggest technical pressure is on corn. Uh, it, you know, it's showing a uh, kind of a technical breakout to the downside here at mid-morning. Yeah, that's not good at all. And wheat is following it to the downside. And the soy complex is having a hard time, except for soybean oil. Bean oil seems to be following yes. crude oil again. Absolutely. So crude oil is more than a dollar higher, uh, and uh, soy oil in the front end of the market is about 100 points higher. And and uh, But uh, that that's the bright spot in the grain and soy markets. Everything else is under pressure. All right. Take us over to the livestock trade. Yeah, so uh, speaking of pressure, uh, you know, live cattle futures just have had a rough week and, and uh, heavy long liquidation pressure, and, and uh, that pulled down the uh, cash cattle market uh, sharply lower in, in cash cattle prices despite tight supplies. And, and so uh, what we're seeing is just eroding attitudes in here, eroding technicals, and, and uh, just an ugly look uh, on the uh, the charts for the live cattle futures. Feeder cattle, uh, because of the weakness in the corn market, uh, they're trying. Uh, got a narrowly mixed tone at, at mid-morning, but uh, not much buyer interest there. And then on the hog side of things, uh, we've had a couple days of corrective selling, uh, but uh, they're, they're charging higher yeah. this morning and uh, moderately to sharply higher here at mid-morning. All right. Excellent. Good work, Brian. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. .com radio will give you one month of premium analysis and advice absolutely free. You'll get the perfect blend of the marketing and policy information you need for your farming operation without feeling overwhelmed. Plus, we'll text you when breaking market advice is issued so you never miss a marketing opportunity. Visit ProFarmer.com radio today. That's ProFarmer.com radio. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Never miss a story. Text NEWS to 31313 to have today's top stories delivered to your phone. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Free For All. You know what, Davis? Yeah. The first port trip that we took this year, it was to Kurt Cobain's hometown. Okay. Aberdeen, yep. Washington. That was a lot yeah, of fun. Aberdeen, I remember. Yes. <laughs> this week, this week, uh, Big Apple Joe Stackler, uh, uh, AgriTalk producer, who does a great job for us. He's fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, and I made our way down to the port of South Louisiana, the biggest grain exporting port in the country. Uh, fascinating facilities down there. Fascinating. And, uh, boy, if, if, if you guys missed the AgriTalk conversations that we had on Wednesday of this week, go to agritalk.com and give those a listen. It's, it's worth it to learn about what is going on at the ports and, and what it takes to support it. Welcome back to the free-for-all. I'm Chip. That's Davis. We've got Hello. pro former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, Montana farmer Michelle Jones, Paul Neifer, farm CPA, with us uh okay nefer i want to go to you on this let's get an update on what is happening with the erp and the parp it sounds like these payments are well they were oversubscribed is that what we're hearing now well and i think uh, jim mentioned it in his newsletter today you know on parp the original Funding for it was only 250 million, and they expected to get 2.5 billion. So they were only going to pay out 10 percent. I think the reality is they maybe got four or five or 600 million of of um, claims, and now they're trying to maybe find some money to get above the 250 million. Now that's my opinion. I may be wrong. Uh, they could have easily, since they on the new ERP, they have this new progressive payment. They should have just called it the PPP ARP, you know, the progressive 
pandemic assistance revenue program. And if they just done it where, hey, if your claim's over 10 grand, you only get 10%, they would have plenty of funding anyway. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, I, I'm not sure what USDA is doing with this progressive thing on the ERP because they set aside almost $4 billion for it. It was $3.7 billion, I think. And on 2020 and 21, there was about eight or nine billion. So they should have had enough money without having to do this uh, progressive. And I love that word progressive uh, adjustment on the payments. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be enough pressure for USDA to go ahead and and maybe tweak that progressive to make it not so onerous, especially on larger farmers that really are facing you know the the issue it's not the smaller farmers smaller farmers probably going to be made whole uh this is the first time i think in a long time where the the larger farmer is really being penalized and then again the non-underserved farmer is definitely being penalized yeah yep jim what's your take on i don't know jim do you have any i i well in a update that i did have this morning a usd official ended his information with me saying that's about all I should tell you now. So <laughs> that tells me there's something else. And I think, uh, you know, uh, maybe Paul has an inkling of the, of where it's going. Maybe they are indeed trying to find some more funding. Paul, well, any there's ideas plenty of, there? of, well, there's plenty of, I'm going to say money schlopping around inside of USDA with all this funding. And if they find another million or I mean, a hundred million, as, as Michelle had said, that was a rounding error. So they may be able to find enough to, to maybe get the farmers a little bit more money. So they're not, uh, you know, making the farmers even more mad than they already are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And Vilsack has been very adept of finding money. Oh Yeah. Yeah, he certainly has. There's there's no question about that. Okay, Monday, Jim, you and I had the opportunity to have a conversation uh, with your friend, David Wasserman, from the Cook Political Report. What was your main takeaway from that conversation? Well, both the House and Senate races are going to be squeezy tight. He said yep. uh, uh, he thinks that the Democrats have a better chance of regaining the House than keeping yep. the Senate. Uh, even though he still gave uh, the Democrats only 40 percent chance of on in the House, he sees a Republican victory in the in in the uh, uh, in the Senate. On the presidential side, his one line was uh, both: if the two candidates are going to be Biden and Trump, they both really don't want to run except for personal reasons uh yep. biden because he thinks he's the only one who can beat trump uh that can be challenged and uh trump he at least he said to uh have a defense against all the litigation against him uh and of course he went through the states that are you know so important but across the board you're going to have very close contest uh, yeah. uh chip that was his mess yeah you know, one of the things that I took but away from the, the conversation the Senate, was just how much was just how much impact redistricting has on determining election results. Should not be that way, but it is. And and the the gerrymandering that happens and the way that the the lines are drawn on these districts determine election results before way before way before the election ever takes place. And th that. Yes. Kind of stuff to me, Jim, it just makes me crazy. It's not issues. It's a map drawing. Yeah. And the courts, it's, it's really the court's yeah. involvement in this chip because they're, they're appealing it and then they're overturning it. So it's just like a maze that you had hard, hard to figure out. Uh, absolutely. Yep, and now on the presidential side with Senator Manchin retiring, signaling that he may be a third party yeah. candidate uh, in, in the presidential election, uh, uh, that at least that makes West Virginia a, a solid Republican state and a pickup, right. uh, you know, you know, for the Republicans. So they'll only need one more, Chip, one right, more. And right. I want to talk I more. Michelle. I want to talk how more about that. Montana, Michelle, how is, yeah. is Tester going to pull it out again? Who's going to be his his, his Republican uh, offset there? Well, it should be Sheehy is the one that's been picked by the the Republican Party. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's out of Bozeman. Um, 
There is going to be others. Uh, there was just someone else who announced who's run before and lost every single Republican primary. He's out of the flathead. Um, my overarching point, I still think Tester will likely win um, just because she's not a Montanan um, and has already made some uh, unforced mistakes in terms of like how he handles the fact that Montanans are relatively proud of being Montanans in agriculture. Um, it is going to probably depend on if there's a libertarian involved. I will note the last election is actually the one that um, Tester won without. He would have won regardless of a libertarian being in the election or not, and that was the first time. Uh, the political climates have changed, but I still think Tester is going to be popular enough um, and does enough work with the veterans and agriculture that I suspect he will pull that out. I think Montana's very much so changed, um, but I. I just don't anticipate him losing. Okay. So that's grassroots you're yeah. hearing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Nefer, what Jim, were you going to say? My, well, my oldest son lives in Arizona, and I was down there talking to some people that uh, sort of know the political process down there, and they're starting to hear maybe that Cinema will run as an independent. If she doesn't get the nomination, she'll run as an independent, which – originally thought, well, maybe that helps the Democrat. Really, it probably helps the Republican more than anything. So who knows if that'll happen. But I, I would think that definitely the Senate's going to go Republican. But then based on the elections we had on Tuesday, you know, you still have the abortion issue out there, which seems to be yeah. uh, gumming up the works a little bit for the Republican side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The thought that I heard that that I had, Jim, when, when uh Manchin announced that he will not be seeking re-election to the Senate. You know, number one, he's he's going to run for president. I would I would think. Uh, number two, that's another voice to listen to in this race, isn't it? That's going to draw some attention from a lot of people that that saw what he did to disrupt the process and liked the disruption that he brought to the Senate. The people are going to listen to what he has to say, don't you think? Yes, and I think it's an outlet for those people who don't want to vote for either Biden or Trump. So I think it could have a a major impact, I think. And then you also have Jill Stein reentering the race again. Uh, That will hurt on, on the Democrat side. And but the White House is signaling Robert Kennedy Jr., has, is helping them uh, because uh, more than a few will go will hurt uh, Trump. In fact, uh, 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 Biden told Fox News that their polls of, in multiple states showed him still beating Trump as opposed to the New York Times and CNN polls earlier this week when you include these third party candidates. I thought that was of note. Yeah, but but they're always going to say that, Jim. Anytime they don't like a poll, they're going to say that their poll shows them still in the lead. Yeah, yeah. but again, you, when you look at Robert Kennedy's policies, yep. they're yep. kind of drifting toward some of the more, uh, let's say, libertarian issues of of uh, President Trump. Uh, you know, former President Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Is this yeah. a little bit like back in the 1992 election with Clinton and Bush and, and Perot, Perot, where it, it's going to get a little messy? Is that is that where we're leading toward, Jim? Yeah, it's it'll be, again, one of the most unusual presidential races that uh, we have. And uh, another thing that uh, uh, that David Wasserman pointed out, uh, uh, he recalled that uh, Lyndon Johnson got out of the race on March the 29th, the year of the election, by the way. Yep. Uh, so it could be in Mar- up until March before we really know the fate of whether or not Biden's yep. going to run because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to bail out if he is going to bail out too soon because he'll be a lame duck right. that much longer. That much mm-hmm. longer. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. You guys, great discussion there. And Nefer. You had me thinking about it. It was so cool to see three candidates, three legitimate candidates debating in 1992. Could there be four legitimate candidates on the debate stage as we get closer to November 2024? 
This is Andrew McCray, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Hey y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family, but in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided together that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Dion Pierce is the sales operation lead for Mosaic Biosciences. Dion, what are biologicals and how can they help farmers grow a more productive crop? Biologicals really, uh, they're a very diverse group uh, of materials or, or compounds, if you will, and that are going to include uh, your plant extracts, uh, your acid-based uh, products like fulvic acids and aminos. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to have your microbial-based or live microbe products. Um, and, you know, when we think about their impact on crop production, you know, for a grower, um, two key benefits is that they can provide our, our reducing stress and, and the nutrient use efficiency. All right. Mosaic Biosciences has a product called Biopath. Tell me more about Biopath and how it can be used. So Biopath is a bacillus base, a live microbe uh, that is formulated with plant growth promoting rhizobacteria. Big word, PGPR for short. When we add these PGPRs and Biopath into the soil, these bacteria grow. Uh, they're going to colonize around that root surface. And then as the root grows, the bacteria feed off those sugars to exude uh, sugars and enzymes. And then as the bacteria grow from those, they cycle those nutrients, make them more accessible to the plant. Okay. What else is Mosaic seeing in trials using Biopath? In trials across the Midwest, side dress applications of Biopath have increased nutrient uptake by over 3%. And that results in about an, an additional 10 pounds per acre. We've also seen an increase in vigor, biomass, cob weight, almost a yield advantage year over year of about four bushels an acre, a boost in ROI, about three and a half to four to one ROI just on the yield alone. Very cool. Okay, where can growers go to learn more on this, Dion? They can speak with their local retailers or they can visit cornsprint.com to learn more. Excellent. Thank you, Dion. That is Dion Pierce, sales operation lead for Mosaic Biosciences. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. 
Agritalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Davis, let's go ahead and put a wrap on this week's free-for-all. I've got the lid right here. All right, Jim Wiesmeyer, Performer Policy Analyst, Michelle Jones, Montana Farmer, and Paul Nee for Farm CPA. Jim, November 17th is this week. Are they going to kick? Well, it look, they obviously they're going to have to try to kick the can down the road again on this, right? You would hope, but there's no plan yet, Chip. But I'll tell you, I'm going to have to We're talking about Saturday. funding the government. I should have said that. Talking about yes, funding I'm, the government, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to work Saturday again because yep. of the 72-hour rule that the Republicans insist that a bill be laid out for before they vote on it. And that means uh, the, uh, that, that, the, that the new speaker, Mike Johnson, is going to have to lay out the bill sometime Saturday. So depending on what that says, uh, you know, I can't predict right now, but, uh, you know, they took off today. That'll that'll tell you something. They're they're not even in session today. Now, just it's just unbelievable. You know, it seems to me that when McCarthy sent the House home for a week before they were finishing up the appropriation bills, that was the start of the, well, I shouldn't say it was the start but it definitely accelerated the momentum against McCarthy. Yes, and what what was disconcerting this week for the Republicans is that they had, on the House side, they had to pull claw back two of the appropriation bills this week because they didn't have the votes. And, and Johnson wanted to get as many fiscal year 2024 spending bills through to, to give them leverage against the Senate. They're even having trouble in that, Chip. So I, I just got to see what what Mike Johnson eventually comes up with, and and how the rebels in his party react to whatever is introduced on Saturday, which I think Michelle it will Jones, be. Michelle Jones, as you've been watching all of this unwind with the funding of the federal government, what has been your thoughts? that we are wildly dysfunctional i mean i don't even i don't even really know what else to say other than the the dysfunction in washington on both sides you know it's not a democrat problem or republican problem or democrat problem it's a universal problem is is insane and i like the the fact that we can't figure this out and and my because i am centrist like my repeated and like long-standing problem with how the government works is that like we have chosen to not compromise like we we just like any form of compromise like people get all riled up and you're apt to lose a primary over it like it's just super frustrating that that's where we are and that's that's what we have to play to and and it continues to handcuff our our government and and where we are able to be uh you know have a meaningful impact on us citizens yeah well you know, the- i think we just have to realize anytime Anytime you have a house that is so close, it only takes three or four people that have their own agenda to just gum up the works. And, you know, until either party gets, you know, a firm 20 vote or 30 vote control, you know, this is the reality for the next, you know, however long that continues. Yes. Yeah, and Jim, to, you, to echo what Michelle says, if you're centrist, the old uh, Hightower, the uh, Texas Ag Commissioner years ago said, if you're in the middle of the road, you're roadkill. And that's the atmosphere <laughs> we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's accurate. exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, Jim. I, I'm sure that's um, what Michelle wanted to hear today, that she was roadkill. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's going to have a voice now for her, and it's going to be Manchin because yeah. he's middle of the road. And he's going to sound to a lot of people. Yes. A lot of people. Yes, I agree with you, Jim. Um, it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, it, it, it's hard to argue that. Hard to argue that. Okay, uh, we got to get to this topic. Yeah. Chinese President Xi and President Biden are going to meet this week in San Francisco. Jim, what is the best possible outcome from this meeting? 
Well, I think you're seeing before that, I think China has made some moves with these agreements, the announced agreements to purchase U.S. commodities. I think that's one angle. They're actually purchases of soybeans as a goodwill. Yeah, I think that that was part of the reason now, Chip. Uh, I want to know what what Biden had to give Xi to even show up for that meeting. Uh, That's the scuttlebutt here this morning. However, the U.S. comes in a better economic position going into this summit than China because they have some woes. Their economy is not doing good. You saw their exports continue to go down and their imports up. So uh, I want to hear a joint uh, that they both countries need each other. If they issue that statement, then maybe we can go on from there in a more reasonable geopolitical environment. Okay, that's the best possible outcome. A joint yes. statement saying, yes. hey, we need each other. What are the yes. risks of this meeting? Of a, of a, a belligerent Xi in his comments. Yeah, because yeah. they're they're now in a deflationary period again. They're starting to remind me of Japan about 20 years ago with their demographics and their economy. Yes, um, they got some big struggles coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the a belligerent G is is a risk, but so is a bumbling Biden. If if he meet if if he's out there and all of a sudden he, the the word salad starts again, Jim. Uh, that is going to give Xi an opportunity, and he will take it. He will take it. So the amount of public exposure that is given to President Xi and President Biden combined is going to give us a real indication of just how the conversation is going between those two. I, I really believe it. If they keep those two behind a curtain, then something went wrong. Either Xi was belligerent yeah. or Biden was bumbling, one of the two. You guys, yeah, great we'll know job. November 15th. We'll know November 15th. Yes, yes. You guys, great job today. Michelle, it was great to speak with you again. Thank you for making time. Anytime. Love to be on. All right, Nefer, you're, you're the best, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. And, of course, uh, Anytime. policy analyst, Jim Wiesmeyer jumping on here as well. Missouri one- Governor's Conference this coming week. I'll be there, Chip. All right. The one thing that I did that we didn't talk about that I wanted to talk about was the cattle market. But we've got Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company this afternoon on AgriTalk to do just that. Moving Day. A walk for Parkinson's is happening around the country. More than just a walk. Moving Day is a fun experience that unites the community in the fight against Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's doesn't stop, and neither will we. So let's get moving. Join the Parkinson's Foundation to learn more and register for an event in your area at movingdaywalk.org. That's movingdaywalk.org. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark, and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.